podcast. This is episode number 212. Yo, I'm, 212. That's right. Area code? Is that it? That must be an area New code. York. Oh. Yeah. New York City, 212. Good. Look at that. Some, uh... Mix, is that true? I believe it is, yeah. That's some, uh, New York my City coach, trivia there that I gave yesterday. You're welcome. Wow. It's already been time well spent. It has been. Well, thanks for listening to the Extra Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me around the table today, Jeff... Hi, Andy. Greg? Yep. Kyle. Hello. And for the last time, Aww. ladies and gentlemen in the podcast land, Jeremy the intern. Jeremy the intern is no longer going to be with us. Jeremy, would you like to reflect upon your year with us here at Northview? Sure. Yeah. It's okay, that's good. Thank there you. There it was. That was <laughs> quite helpful. How would you like to reflect? I would say it's been a great, great year. A uh, great way. For someone coming out of Bible college to establish a foundation for how to do ministry um, and basically learn that by doing it and getting to apply it in a lot of different ways and uh, going deeper at the same time in theological studies. But no, it's been really, really good. And I'm very grateful for my time here. Good. Well, it's been good having you. Thanks for pushing all the buttons over there, making sure that uh, this podcast goes out into podcast land mm. with great alacrity. That's the word of the day. Well done. Alacrity. It, in fact, it? it's actually A L A C R I T Y. Alacrity. Can you define it? No. I can. Speed. Speed. Hmm. Quickness. Without much hesitation. Why didn't, why didn't you just say with much speed? Because it doesn't sound as cool. That's right. All the kids are saying at our alacrity. at our at our uh, congregational meeting. I used the word paradigmatic this year. I was very proud of myself. For that. Do you have like one of those things on your desk, like new word of the no, day? No, no, I just have Kyle I read. It's <laughs> an interesting idea. Speaking of reading, actually, that has nothing to do with what Did I Did you to use the word next. alacrity or paradigmatic in your book thinking? No, nor would I. That's why it sold like dozens of Exactly. Copies. That's why people read it. <laughs> if you don't want people to read your book, you just use you words like the, predilection. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so. At any rate, <laughs> moving. On. I, I I have to uh, I have to confront Jeff on wow. an issue before oh, yeah. we get started. Yeah. Okay, this is a fairly big issue. Pairing agreements well, as many of you know, we uh, the young adults had a wake festivus recently, mm. and beer was there. Wow. Oh, Bruce Beer. What do you got? Oh. What do you got? Okay. That's how you come on, there. guys. I mean, you see what, that right there. What kind of young adults retreat do you Dude, think this you, is? You, <laughs> yeah, you just you just had everyone waiting to hear. Right. So Bruce Beer was there, and he's, he's one of uh, our one yeah. of our uh, elders for no, a long time. He was not. No he's longer. a former elder of our church. He has now been moved, moved to Kelowna. Yeah, exactly. He's a great guy, and in fact, as I've often said, it's not Wake Festivus without beer. And uh, <laughs> however, <laughs> when I was on Bruce's boat, he told me that he listens faithfully to the podcast. So first off, this is a shout out to Bruce. Glad that you listen. But then he also noted that often I eat banana bread at the podcast. And so he was feeling sorry for you guys. So he told me that he sent Jeff a loaf of banana bread yeah, well, that he, never made it to this podcast. And I was the in suspicions are you've eaten it. I was not told that it made it. It was for the podcast. I actually brought it to Northview, to the elders of Northview, and they ate it. If you'd like to take it up with them, Andy, you're free to. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little, you know, I would. I'm, I'm a little miffed. You should write a letter. <laughs> well, here's I'm airing my Speaking grievance right letters. here. No, actually, it was it was actually Bruce that said you should, you should probably confront Jeff 
on why he ate the banana bread and didn't bring it to I the did pumpkin. not eat a single piece of the banana bread. However, I will say, little shout out, Bruce's company, Norma's Bakery, makes a mean banana bread. True story. They do. It is and an I'd excellent love banana bread. You buy it at little, little 7-Eleven stores and stuff. <laughs> I think they in 7-Eleven. If they're not, then Bruce, I'm sure, will text me and tell me otherwise. But anyway. So if you're going to send something to us, don't send it to Jeff. Send it maybe to Greg or Kyle or me. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. This is a good word. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank that. you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey, we got we have uh, some really great questions here we're going to look at. The first question, uh, this listener said, I love listening to your podcast every week as well as the bonus podcast. I do have a question. Why don't you ever have women on the extra podcast? Well, we don't like them. See, that was, their, that was their question. We think they're dangerous. <laughs> So we is, live in a world of estrogen, and we're trying to avoid. Have we all never of it. had? No, a, we have a girl? actually had women on the podcast. You know, I don't even know why. Uh, most it's probably because a lot of the pastors are men in our church, and uh, they are the ones who started this one. And it, quite honestly, the presence of the bonus podcast probably has limited our. Uh, Before the bonus podcast decision, elect. I mean, I like we haven't tried to go out of our way to do to do that and there's only a group of people who who have been part of it the podcast even from the kind of the beginning before the bonus podcast started older men. the crystal and thalia made frequent appearances on the extra podcast they did. quite i mean i don't not every time part they of did. it too is just scheduling like sometimes we send a pastor's meeting right. before the extra podcast right. and people like Ezra aren't around the table right. and so we ask hey is anyone available to come and thalia's got an appointment crystal mm-hmm. has an appointment so there are other there are Some other pastors scheduling. there are other pastors who don't make appearance much on the podcast here, so Dave Heidebrecht and Dan Sparrow and Ron Friesen and there's other others who who don't make it. It's not actually a deliberate attempt to eliminate the women from the podcast. It would require a deliberate attempt for us to include more. Perhaps that's what we should do, but we tend to feel that Kyle's presence here is uh, estrogen mix up, enough. Mix up for the you know, lack of ladies. <laughs> I, I like to bring out the softer side of, of issues. You do. So there you go. Maybe maybe over summer we'll uh, we'll try to get Crystal and Thalia in here a little bit more over. Yeah, over the summertime. Love to have them. It's great. I get, there, there's no. I guess the the listener kind of was asking the question: Is there anything prohibiting them from participating in, in the extra podcast? <laughs> no. Okay. No. So there's no. No, I don't think so. It's mostly pragmatics. It's it's mostly just (laughs) pragmatics. Yeah, unintentional pragmatics. Even there you go. Yeah, we don't do a lot. You know, we probably should tell you, as you probably can aware are aware (laughs) that we don't do a lot of planning around the podcast, uh, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing is sometimes we say things that we think, oh, I shouldn't have said that later, and sometimes you just said Kyle. Well, no, because yeah, yeah, kind of. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, but on the flip side, what you, it is actually a really honest representation of how we mess around with each other and stuff. And some people don't like that; other people do. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So I'm Paul. I apologize if yeah we we we're not really deliberate. Uh, perhaps we should be more deliberate. But honestly, it's it's not the thing that that we spend uh, all our time thinking about. We're currently meeting in a room that has no uh, air conditioning or anything on a hot day, and honestly, it's stifling how hot it is right now. Like I don't, we we we. This is the podcast room now, and Kyle, I think we over, we we made an oversight regarding uh, actually ventilation in the room. I don't think there is any. Well, see, I think the no. The problem is, is that if we throw the Oh, don't put the, the AC on. Okay, that's fine. It's going to make a noise. Yeah. Greg's, Greg's a, 
Greg's an expert with the thing up here. <laughs> uh, hey, last week we talked about inconsistency with flag usage. Remember that conversation? I we do. Had? Uh, we invited some feedback from people. All right. So we had one person send in a response. So I'm going to read it, and you guys can engage with this person's. Can we get a recap? I, I wasn't a part of that podcast. <sighs> just a quick, just a Andy. quick thirty seconds. So, Jeff, give a quick recap. We were saying. Uh, so it was interesting at the same time that the Abbotsford City Council had decided to fly the, the uh, rainbow flag in honor of, of gay rights. They had decided to do that above, the, above City Hall here in Abbotsford on the same week that there was a big hubbub down in the U.S. about the Confederate flag. Um, and so we were saying that both of them re represent special interest groups. Uh, the difference, as far as I can see, is that one of those special interest groups is, is seen as being wicked by the society at large, and the other special interest, or at least supporting wicked things, so the Confederate flag stands for racism and wicked things, which we all agree with, that, that those are wicked. But the society as a whole does not think that the gay rights issue is wicked, or that, that homosexual sex is, is wicked, and therefore flying the flag is a little different. It was a broad brush, so I'm not in any way uh, troubled by somebody who would want to come in and nuance that. Uh, my hope is, I haven't read the email, my hope is that, that would be, it would be charitable because it was just an idea that we were talking about in response to, to that kind of thing. So I'm happy to hear yeah. nuancing. So the conversation was circling around the apparent inconsistency between the decision-making process. Right, and that basically the society at large goes, we, we are um, hypocritical often in the way that we treat issues. Mm. And it seems to me that if you establish that homosexual uh, activity is sin, homosexual sex is sin, so is racism. And you're going to have to establish that one is worse than the other. I think that's why somebody would say, would, would want to say, well, even if they're both sin, I think that racism's worse Therefore, you shouldn't fly the Confederate flag, but you should fly the... Or they would want to establish that maybe, maybe the rainbow flag stands for more than just homosexual sex. Hmm. So I'm, 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 that's an interesting discussion. But anyway, where you go. So here's the, the email that was sent in. My observation is that there is no inconsistency in the flag issue. The stance taken by the authorities is consistent because underneath these decisions is the worship of our cultural idol, which is individual freedom. So if you look at Western history, we see the development of individual freedoms that liberal society views as progress. We got rid of the authority of the Pope in the Reformation and the authority of kings in the American and French revolutions. We achieved racial freedom in the 1860s with the American Civil War and the 1960s with the Civil Rights Movement. Feminism made great gains and sexual freedom was also achieved in the 1960s. Gay lesbian freedoms are moving along nicely in the last decade, the next step in the inevitable march forward, in quotes, they wrote, toward completely unfettered individual autonomy is freedom from our biology. Gender or race, as Caitlyn Jenner and Rachel Dolezal illustrate perfectly. The public reaction to the latter, Rachel Dolezal, is more controversial, but this is just because it takes a little while for the dust to settle. We'll realize at some point that we live in a post-racial world and all will be well. 
it's all very logical when you remove the authority of God and all earthly authority, even that of objective reality from the equation, everything becomes subjective. So he's finished okay. by saying, Christians do not object to many of these freedoms because freedom's a good thing. The problem is that like any good thing, it cannot take the place of God. It will eventually become a very cruel and demanding God. And I wonder how long we can go down this road before we realize that the emperor has no clothes. Right. No, I, I, so I agree in large part. But OK, so let me interact a little bit, though, with the idea that the civil rights movement was an expression, for, as I understand him, that the civil rights movement was an expression of our non-belief in God. I, I don't. No, I, don't the, I think the main issue was the individual freedom. Right. But he's he's saying that's a, that's the broad brush throughout history that explains all of these movements, including the civil rights movement. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm willing to go there with the civil rights movement. Uh, uh, yeah, perhaps, perhaps there, are some, there certainly are some elements, but I, th I think that saying that the civil rights movement and the modern turn in the gay rights movement are equated uh, to me is too broad a stroke. Your, your concern is that civil rights movement had a theological grounding right. to many of the proponents of it, which right. was... In scripture See, I, and rooted in positive, good exegesis. Right, and I think that actually, in some cases, it was not, uh, "Hey, give me my individual rights." I, I do, I, yeah. But I think, I, I, think, think, I mean, I, that's a, I think, a really thought through and well written kind of reflection on the. There is a common thread of individualism, without a doubt, that connects all these different things. Well, I think and that we would. Agree. Where does that thread lead? Well, that's going to be interesting. We would agree that, um, and I think that overall, the point being made is that self-actualization is the goal of Western culture today, uh, which is hyper-individualism. Uh, I, we, I, we, I just want to know me, and I want to express me in whatever way I want to express me, no matter what that means. And if I am a white guy and I feel black, I should be able to be black. I should be able to be Asian. I should be, if I'm Asian and I want to be white, I should be whatever. Yeah, and so post-racial is a word that I'm sure in time will come uh, to bear, certainly post-gender will, will be the case. So yes, I'm very happy with that, that thread. I don't, I don't know if, uh, I, I, I don't know if the meaning, yeah, I'll leave it there. It's always awkward when someone starts a sentence off and they stop, isn't it? I was thinking that. Yeah. But I'm okay with it. Yeah. No, it's good. It's a, it's an inter it's a good thought. Do you guys think that there's a consistency on the flag issue? So, we do, so if you move, you, we've moved away from the issue in particular mm. to the generalities of what's culture at large look like and how is it moving to the specifics of these, fla the, these two flags being flown at the same time. He's, he's saying, as I understand it, that no, these two flags being flown are consistent because all, everyone is just out for their own individualism. Yeah, your own individualism, as long as it, as it doesn't so, uh, explicitly confront another person's individualism. Okay, so but, but that's my I, but I think that's my question though is that this that would make sense if the society at large was saying to the to the uh, to the uh, white racist supremacist who loves the Confederate flag, hey, you go and fly your flag, man, because that's the way you feel, and we're gonna fly this one up here, the gay rights flag, because that's how that's how we feel. Right, so the limit is but, if you're infringing or but, imposing. But that's my point, though. The, these, these things, though, are uh, it's the opposite that's happening. The one is being cons considered to be horrible and wicked. How, how awful is it we fly the Confederate flag? Do you see what I'm saying? 
So we're, we are suppressing the individual expression of a, of, of a white supremacist. Their freedom. And their, yes, their freedom. But we are embracing the freedom of those who have abandoned traditional sexual mores. So that, I think that's, that's kind right. of where my, my point is, I think. And that's, it's not odd to me in the sense that I expect it to be the case. I just think it's hypocritical. I also think it's interesting that the, the activity of flag bearing it is by its very nature a celebratory thing. Like it's not a it's not a subtle private thing. It's a celebration. Like the reason we fly a Canadian flag is to show we're proud to be Canadian. It's the reason why when you drive through the states you can see people with American flags on their lawns. It's you it's want an a good intentional summer, if, move. If you're driving through the states as, a, as an aside, if you're driving through the states this summer and you're having a, like a family holiday, great game to play with your kids is the flag game, where you compete against each other on how many American flags you can find. Hmm. Right. Honestly, we, my family and I, on a five-hour trip into the states, we found I think four hundred. Like a lot of that was pers- farmland. Personal homeowners. No, or just like any, anywhere that you saw flag. Anytime you saw a flag, yeah. Not just the not like, just a logo of it, but an no. actual flag. Yep, flag. That's impressive. Yeah, I dominated that game. Anyway, <laughs> were you driving? Yeah, oh, and good. I still won. <laughs> Take that, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna. Can I move the conversation a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Similar, but but different direction. Sure. Uh, we'd be remiss not to talk about how in the states over the last few days the Supreme Court had their decision, and so this person wrote in a question that said um, the Supreme Court had a decision to do what? So I'll, I'll read the question. So this person said it's finally happened. Gay marriage has been legalized in all 50 states in America as of Thursday. The person said, I think. Was it Thursday? I can't remember. I forget yeah. the day. It's one of the days last week. So, so yeah, they hinted at it, but what's the what's the official thing that came down this past week with the Supreme Court? Uh, so, the 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 case I don't know who the what the case was. The Supreme Court was hearing was called Ober, Obergefell versus I can't remember who else, but it will go down. It's like Roe v. Wade in the states. Mm-hmm. This this will go down as the landmark decision. It was a five four split ruling. Uh, as most of these decisions are. Uh, and the judges on the Supreme Court, the five, the majority, said that uh, gay marriage is protected under, I think, the 14th Amendment of the United States, which is the Equal Protection Act, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah, the pursuit of life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. Uh, so The phrase is in the 14th Amendment. Right. And so they came to that conclusion. Uh, what was interesting is is if you read the decision that they made, which you can, you can go online, you can read the decision and the dissenting opinions. If you read the decision, it was, it's it reads more like sermon than it does uh, legal decision, which is part part of what happened here. Uh, the the justices decided that they would you know go with a cultural wind, and uh, agree with this, which of course Canada, I mean, BC said since two thousand since two thousand three, so it's not a big deal. What's been interesting. Um, for us, uh, for, for us, my family and me, to look at that as an American living, I'm an expatriate living in Canada, is how, and a pastor in Canada, is how uh, fearful some Americans are. I even had a meeting with a friend on Friday, how fearful some Americans are about the world and how it's going to break up because of this. And I, I fully admit that the United States, one of the diff- big differences between the United States and Canada, and I'll mm. be interested to hear around the table because I've got the three guys who are expatriates here mm-hmm. and two Canadians, full Canadians. 
um, I, I, um, I, in Canada, there is this feeling of multi, there, there's an embracing of multiculturalism. Yeah. So you, here in Canada, the idea, I mean, that's why you have French on everything is because the idea is, you know what, we're not going to force anybody to hold the, the particular viewpoint that we hold together as a nation. We might all think that French, writing French on stuff is so silly, but you know what, to embrace the, the few and to make them feel welcome, we will put French on everything. Whatever. You, you see that in the way that the Service Canada handles some of the Punjabi families in our area, or which in, for the most part is really with kindness and extends an extra hand. In the United States, there is a value of a, in assimilation. Mm-hmm. The, the melting pot. Right. It's the melting pot versus the tossed salad, right? The, the, I, the idea is, no, there is such a thing to be an American. You're an American. And you might be from China, and you might be from Mexico, and you might be from Qatar, but I'm telling you that when you come here and you become a citizen, you're an American. And there is a, there's, so it's, it's far more important for you to agree on lots of stuff mm. here. There's more cultural pressure for and you I, to agree. And I also think this is why the Christian community feels more of an impulse to fight as hard against it to, to save the identity of, of the nation, whereas in Canada there's less of that right. kind of dominionist mentality because we're like, sorry, what culture, singular culture, <laughs> are we trying to win over in Canada right. because of the mosaic nature of, of our nation? Right, so in, in some ways it's been interesting having conversations with some American friends of mine as they've asked me, oh, what's it like in Canada? You've been, had this for, you know, like 14 years or whatever, and I'm at 13 years, and I've been, I've been like, you know, I, I don't know if you can use Canada as a as an example, because the truth be known, the Canadian government is pretty at peace with having dissenting voices and not feeling like they need to bring a sledgehammer and crush them. Seriously, I mean, even look at what's happened with some of the polygamy case over in Alberta, is it Alberta or BC? No, Bountiful? Just yeah. even the Quebec. Bountiful, but just how, how slow it's it's been. <laughs> it feels like it's taken a long time for them to, like they just want to go the extra mile in these sorts of things. Um, and they, even now they feel still feel a little bit uneasy about that. My point is that people of all different kinds of stripes and varieties can live at Canada. And yes, Christians in Canada are look people look down their nose at them for holding uh, traditional viewpoints about gender or sexual mores. But in the states, there is almost a visceral reaction because there's a culture war going on. And in wars, you don't let the enemy go free. But you kill them. As an American, here's, here's the thing that concerns me from what I saw, and I'd be curious to hear your guys' opinion on this, was it seems like it's, a, it's a even deeper than that because it's this inherent distrust as well of the government itself. And particularly as an American, there's this idea that you hold the power at some level as an American and that you're not under the tyranny of, you know, the those tyrannical leaders, if you will, right? right? But now, I mean, to my knowledge, and I could be wrong here, but I don't think there was ever a state that voted in uh, gay marriage. Oh, they did. There were some that were voted in? Washington State did. Didn't they just recently? I thought they did. I think there were 30-some states that had already voted it in. Well, but it was did, legal, did, but I don't know if it was a no, vote I don't, of the people. That's oh, what I'm saying. Whenever it was a vote of the people... Oh, I see what you mean. I don't think it ever passed when it was a vote of the people. I know in Oregon, 
of all states that you think it would have passed, I know for a fact it did not well, pass. Well, California didn't. Prop 8 was passed on the other way. And mm-hmm. so here's my concern is, is everything, all the power in the, the U.S. that I'm seeing is being shifted to judges. And, and it's amazing to me that you can have five lawyers speak for the na- for a nation. Well, and this has been one of the big this has been the critique of one of the dissenting judges was really we want to have five lawyers who not not only are they're completely unrepresentative of the country. I mean, they're all they're all white, the ones that were most most of them no Sotomayor is not. Um, but for the most part, they they're they all come from Harvard or Yale graduate schools, law schools. They're all rich. They're all part of the liberal elite for the most part, and they're making the decision for the entire country. And this has been the feeling of the dissenting voice, is just let the states decide. See, in the U.S., you can, you, can do, you can do that. You can just say, you know what, federally, we're not going to make a decision about this. We're just going to let the states choose to do what they, they want or don't want. And there are states right now that are rejecting. The, they're trying. Well, Mississippi has said that they're not so going to Texas. recognize what the federal government has said about this, which is, I mean, that's secession talk. (laughs) So it's interesting where this is all going to fall out um, because there are more conservative politically and uh, people people in in southern states especially who are going to reject this. I mean, the vast majority of the people in those states are going to, when I say vast, I mean, like, we're talking 70%. Are we See, going to reject what the federal federal government says on these matters? And it and I think a lot of people's fear too. Then though is well, this is it. Then this becomes the ultimate loophole, because if you ever want to get something passed, well, you just need to take it back to the Constitution and and this whole pursuit of of happiness. I mean, mm. it doesn't get much wider than that. Right. Right. So the critique and in again the dissenting opinions has been that they have established a precedent now that will be able to will be able to drive trucks through. Yeah, in the coming days, about speaking about individualism earlier, and you just need five people to approve so it. This, this, yeah, basically, well, five liberal judges. Yeah, yeah, who, uh, yeah, to absolutely. me. So that that's where I see a lot of fear in America right now. Yeah, because I think that they feel like they have totally lost their nation. Well, there's an article in the Atlantic Journal that came out, uh, I think, yesterday, where or the day before. Where even in the Atlantic, which is a decidedly liberal, liberally, politically liberally leading journal, said um, that the justices are acting like Congress, like the lawmakers, like the, the Supreme Court justices are mo- a lot more like Congress now. They they make laws, which yeah. is not what they're supposed to do. So it's it's an interesting. There should be a real consolidation in uh, in power in the U.S. Uh, and this has happened over years. I mean, even George W. Bush, when he came to power, started going into wars that didn't require approval from uh, the Congress. Yeah. So by claiming, I mean, this is the, this is the way it's, it's worked. It, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the coming days. And the United States is, is, is perhaps, you know, one of the, what, two most important countries in the world right now. And I'm saying I think China might be the second, but like I, I the, the two more, the most, they hold the most sway, most money, most sway. And I'm, uh, it'll be just interesting to see what happens in the coming days about this um, mm. this issue. It is interesting too. This is a worldwide issue. I mean, was it Turkey has been having mm-hmm. uh, uh, protests um, yeah. on this? So it, it's well, Ireland came to this viewpoint uh, about a month ago, and their go- their government passed it. What's interesting there though is it was put to a vote of the people. Yeah, that's 
going back to Andy's point, that's when the people said this is the way we want. Right? And I Ours think, is- I honestly think the American people would react differently if it had been voted in by the people. I don't think people would be as, as upset about it. Yeah, they'd be upset, but it wouldn't be the fear that I've been seeing and yeah. hearing because at yeah. least the people would have spoke. Yeah. And it is also interesting to see the, the effect that what happens in the States has on Canadian um, opinions. Like, uh, most of my friends that I know are not American expatriates. And this is, like, all they want to talk about on social media, on everything. Oh, it's this just going is, this crazy is the thing that on is, social that's media. that's blowing up. And so the, the question, actually, that was written in was this, this person noticed that um, – a bunch of their friends did the change their Facebook profile picture to the, have the flag and the the gay pride flag underneath. Sure. And posting all these congratulatory things about the the vote and how this is so fantastic, which would spark these conversations. And, and my friend, not uh, my friend, but the listener wrote in saying, I, I had friends who were just acting so uncharitably towards people over this issue, Christian people who were acting very. Poorly, and so this person's question was basically, how how do we um, approach this issue as Christians with with our friends who have a dissenting opinion on on these matters in both truth and so? Can I start kindness? by saying, as Christians, we need to start with our theology, and uh, Jesus is on the throne, and history is being written and has been written by God Almighty. So to be on the wrong side of history is to be on His wrong side. God in his sovereignty has uh, permitted this to take place at this time, probably for the chastening of the church and for the good of his people, ultimately. Uh, listen, so I'm not, so what I'm saying is that we don't, as Christians, we don't worry about what governments do. This is not the first time in the history of the world where governments have made decisions that are hurt Christians. If you want to go somewhere where that happens, go to Yemen today. Go, go to uh, the northern India where the, the local governments are run by militant Hindus, and you might die for being a Christian. So I'm, I'm just saying that we don't, we don't freak out about it. Just because people look down their noses as, at Christians is not a big deal. But that leads me to my second point. The, the church has been in this weird situation for the last, I don't know, 30 years, where it's almost like we've said to the culture at large around us, pleading with our hands, Oh, love me! Oh, love me! As if we, if we say things the nicest way... You know, if we just, or if we just don't talk as much about sin, or we just, you know, like, you massage the gospel in some ways that some people are actually going to like it. We use words like relevant to talk Seeker about sensitive. that, and we want everyone to like. And the belief is, you'll like us. We're really nice people. We're really sweet, and our way of approaching, we call that love. We want to love you into the kingdom. The challenge that the Christian church faces now is that the is that holding to biblical faithfulness on this issue is read by the wider culture as hate, not love. So people are in this sort of existential crisis for themselves. And, you know, the lines are being drawn. What's this war, war of world Oh, use. absolutely. And so as a result, again, my, I think as a Christian, I want to say to, to us, we should, we should have expected this long ago. The culture's never been friendly to Christians. Even when, Christian, when Christians were in charge of culture, I don't know how well it went. What it did is it proliferated a bunch of uh, nominal believers, people who kind of, because it was cool. Yeah, church, cool, go to church, right? That's why people are, the young adults who are somehow leaving the church are probably 
not the young adults are not leaving at a greater rate these days. They just feel more honest to say they don't want to be there. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the 1970s, you had to go because you wouldn't get a job if you didn't go. Now, going to church costs you something, so they're out. So, again, I just, I'm not, we shouldn't freak out about it. If you establish that, that we shouldn't freak out about it, then that should color some of the way we talk online to our friends about this. That we should recognize that Jesus is on his throne. We can charitably stand for what's good and right and say, I don't think, so somebody writes on their Facebook page that it's great. You don't need to engage it. And if you do, you can say, well, I don't know how great it is. I'm not sure I agree wholeheartedly that it's a good thing. I think that this is actually going to lead to some really bad places, as one of our emailers said before about the flag question, right? That this is going to, this is going to end up somewhere uh, questionable at best, dangerous at worst. And, and I'm saying that because, I, because when you break God's <clears throat> way uh, for his world, the consequences aren't just God's god's active judgment they they sometimes are his passive judgment in the sense that he's pat he's handing you over to those things Sin and has consequences and you will end up you'll destroy yourself and yeah. that's what's happened in a lot of the homosexual relations that's what's really sad about it is that a lot of the statistics having to do with the danger of this lifestyle have been buried in this debate mm-hmm. and as a result uh we want to make it normal but the problem is it's it's actually cutting the lifespan off of people because of the kinds of disease and other things it brings in. So it's, it's, not a, it's not a healthy thing. By the way, if you want to read a book about that, Making Gay Okay by last name Riley, you can read all about that if you think that what I just said was decidedly hateful and should never be said in any public place. Do you know what's you, interesting about that? Is it, that, follows the, that book follows the scientific method, yep. it, it, which is like, you know, what ultimately naturalism bows to. But yet there is inconsistency. Right. Is although the scientific method would demonstrate that this is not actually a healthy lifestyle, that is. Um, Kyle, give advice to give advice to Christians. Yeah, if you want to look at another resource and want to listen to something, D. A. Carson um, gave about a, a twenty-minute kind of reflection on this um, a couple days ago on Desiring God's website. That's really insightful and brings up a lot of points that that Jeff and Andy have talked about and. I think as we think about our response, interaction with the world as Christians, um, two, uh, one phrase that has two different parts to it, against the world and for the world. Mm-hmm. That we want to be against the world in the sense that we are opposed to the world's self-destruction because of sin. But in our opposition to that, we're actually for the world because we want to show them the truth and the light and the love and the eternal hope we have in Christ. So that's going to um, cause us to get pats on the back by people who, who see us maybe first being for the world in a lot of our interactions, um, but our pats in the back from some people will be <laughs> countered by you know, mm. uh, black eyes from other people who only see us as being against the world, yeah. only see us as being against individualism and against rights, against uh, people having the right to love who they want to love because love wins. Yeah. And I want to say, well, you're, yeah, love wins, but God is love, and God shows his love by sending Christ to die for us in order that we might live with him. Um, so that's the love that will really win. Right. By the way, uh, I, isn't social media a really bad place to have debates about stuff like this? Yeah, it's a, it's an inherently um, problematic. <laughs> you just—it seems to me you have to be very wise. Yeah. Uh, I keep. I think I thought recently in the last few days about the passage in Matthew ten, where Jesus tells his disciples he's going to send them out into the mission field. 
as sheep among wolves. And so he says, so you need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I've thought that that's what needs to happen with Christians. We, we need to be wiser than we are in the way that we understand the technology and the way that, you know, these, some of the social media and how we're going to be read by some people. It's, it's not like you're sitting across a table at a coffee shop having a di- dialogue with someone and can be, you know, people can see your facial expressions and understand when you're being sarcastic or whatever. Um, so you need to be wise as serpents. And we do need to be harmless as doves. That pe- people need to recognize that we are not going to bring the kingdom in mm-hmm. by war or battle, whether they be culture wars or actual wars. Or legislation. Or legislation. What we are going to do is we're going to preach Christ and Him crucified and God will bring his people. He will. Mm-hmm. Even in the face of crazy things. There are lots of uh, Rosario Butterfields out there. There are lots of people who are going to come to faith in Christ from these backgrounds. The church probably needs to get prepared to deal with a lot more of the fallout from sexual sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who come into the church in very messy situations. And so we're going to have to be prepared to figure out how we can best preach Christ to them, but also disciple them uh, in, in faithful ways. Great. Let's. Can we get after one more question? Oh, yeah. This is totally off, not not related. And Andy, I'm looking at you because you're probably gonna have a little bit more. Oh really? Background information. I know all of you might know. Jeremy and I don't. Uh, this person says, "Hi there, guys. I found this article article that claims that Jesus never existed. So, oh, yeah. what is the what what is the consensus uh, academically about just the existence of a historical figure named Jesus of Nazareth. Well, first of all, if you get my book thinking, <laughs> read p- page 244, I believe it is. No, did you, you just do that by memory? I did, I did, but I wrote it. Have you have you memorized your book? No. <laughs> Certain portions. Oh, oh, Jeremy's got it. I believe there's a quote there by <clears throat> an agnostic named Bart Ehrman. 244? Wow. There is no 244. <laughs> it's a 240. In your mind, is it a longer it's a book? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Andy, it's, 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 if it's 144, I'll be... Whoa, it was did Jesus even exist? Oh, Boom. There you go. So I was 100 go. pages off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're close. It's just one number. <laughs> Actually, let me see that. Let me read it. Uh, because, great. because it was funny... If there's a great YouTube video out there in which Bart Ehrman is in, so he's an agnostic. He was a Christian, went yeah. to a Christian seminary. He, he ended up leaving his faith because of suffering and evil. And he's being interviewed on this radio station, and this atheist wants to talk about Jesus as though he didn't exist. And Bart Ehrman will just have none of it. He just thinks it's the most ridiculous thing he's ever heard. And he just takes this guy to task. So you can see that on YouTube. It's actually quite amusing. Uh, but more than that, it inspired him to write a book called Did Jesus Exist? And, uh, and ultimately, he would go on to, uh, he, he writes this in the book. He says, there are several points on which virtually all scholars of antiquity agree. Jesus was a Jewish man known to be a preacher and teacher who was crucified, a Roman form of execution, in Jerusalem during the reign of Roman Emperor Tiberius when Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea. Even though this is the view of nearly every trained scholar on the planet, it is not the view of a group of writers who are usually labeled and often label themselves mythicists. I mean, there you have it right there. And, and he's absolutely right. Virtually all historians agree that Jesus did exist. And they do realize 
the implications of what happens if you say he didn't exist. And uh, maybe one of you want to jump in here, but there's a big problem if you do that. Well, look, there's more evidence that Jesus Christ exists than, than most ancient characters, right? Exactly. Nero and others. I mean, we have extra biblical... Alexander the Great. We have extra biblical accounts about, about these guys. You don't need to just have the scriptures. However, I'm not going to re- remove the scriptures as being historical documents. They are. And they were trusted. We can trust the, 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 the documents of the New Testament uh, more, I think, then we can trust most of the others around because just because we have uh, ones that are closer to the date when they were written. My, my big issue here is that the only way that you arrive at the conclusion that Jesus didn't exist is if you start with radical skepticism. Yeah. That if you say, no, nah, everything I've ever been told about Jesus is not true completely and, oh, there's so few examples even historically that even existed. Like no, nobody ever went there. In the past, and those who've tried to, who who are coming to it reasonably, like Ehrman, who's not a friend to Christianity these days, is like, oh come on, like it's just a non-starter. But they start with a presupposition of radical skepticism, and then marshal the evidence, which of course, surprisingly, falls on their side. They say, I, if you don't start with that presupposition, you're not going to arrive at the conclusion. And here's what Lee Strobel has to say. (laughs) <laughs> about <laughs> we need more thinkers and writers like Andy Steiger I've been saying that for years his new book is a terrific example of how to engage people <laughs> on the questions that really matter you didn't he put the same blurb on the back of like other books he has a stamp <laughs> it's actually a one. stamp insert, really insert, we need more thinkers like the name so at any rate that, that issue is a non-issue do you know uh, though, only the village atheist is the only person, honestly, you'll hear that from. The uh, well, in the advent of YouTube, though, this is—I mean—the internet. I heard anybody a guy. with a computer yeah. and an internet connection is now <laughs> an authority. He, yeah, and totally. An like that. There's a YouTube video called Zeitgeist where they have a really serious-sounding young <laughs> adult guy who talks a lot about how the most unhistorical <laughs> information you've ever heard in your life ridiculous. is in that video. But, but if you say it with a voice like that. But, you know, he sounds kind of cool and he doesn't show a lot of emotion, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, by the way, in I read Airman's book, uh, Did Jesus Exist? And he takes to task Zeitgeist and others yeah. as being absolutely ridiculous, completely fallacious, and, and just a- actually made up. Fallacious. There's, There's the word of the day. Ticket one. Uh-huh. More than alacrity? He said it with alacrity. But I can't spell it, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a paradigmatic issue. <laughs> well. Kyle, you looked like you wanted to say something. Yeah, you're like, I want to say something face. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, the, the existence of Jesus is a, obviously a huge question. And I remember hearing Larry King was asked a question, and he's a famous person who's interviewed lots and lots of people over the last couple of decades. And he would, you know, just thinking about people he'd love to interview in history, and said one of the guys, Jesus, of course, because he's so influential in history. And he had one question to ask him. He said it would be this, were you really born of a virgin? And he said if that was true, then that would change everything about who Christ is, because he, if he's born of a virgin, then he's not fully, I mean, he's fully human because he's born as a baby, but he, there's something more to the story. Mm-hmm. So... That was what I was thinking. You dated that the Larry King yeah, uh, reference good. dated you a bit, didn't it? Well, that, that's just, just like Anderson Cooper would have been the right answer now, wouldn't it? 
Well, I don't know if Cooper was asked that question. Did you see that program so on if, VHS? So if Anderson and Cooper had a ridiculous <laughs> list, which he does, uh-huh. did Jesus Exist would be on that. Yeah. There you Thanks go. for rescuing me. <laughs> is, does Larry King, is he still interviewing? No, he's so, no, you know, he's, he's gone. A, he's, he was around for a long time. He no, was. Back our, in the 90s, he was around. Our, our listenership, well, some of our listenership will be aware of Larry King. Right. Guys, uh, thank you for your time and for your insights and your opinions. Kyle is Googling if Larry King is still on the air. See if he's still alive while you're <laughs> That's actually probably not I don't think question. Larry King ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please send them in to the extra podcast, extra at northview.org. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. And Jeremy. Thanks for being here all year, man. Attaboy. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. been great being in the presence of greatness. That's right. By that, I mean he's Darcy. Talking about, he's talking <laughs> about Darcy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Dude, you're, you're not as hot as you used to be. I again. know, right? Allison is Darcy. Oh, you're you're 15 not, minutes latest flavor. Late. Your 15 minutes is over. Tick, tock, Enjoy them. Tick, tock, tick, tock. <laughs>